Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Good evening, River of Life. I'm so glad you're with us this evening. And uh, can I just tell you, we have an amazing, amazing team of people at this church. Right before, probably hour and a half before church started, uh, one of our major components in getting the church service to Star Valley live went out, and so they were rewiring stuff. Pastor Seth was doing everything that he could to make that happen right up until he got up on the stage. And I just love that there are a group of people that are so willing to just dive in and make things happen. Amen? Amen. And hopefully Star Valley can hear us tonight. Can Nod if you can hear us. Okay. No, they can't. Um, well, we're so grateful uh, for all that God is doing, and, and it's just exciting to be a part of his plan and watching as all of these different outreaches are going out and making a huge impact in our community week in and week out. And so if you have not found a place yet to tie into some sort of outreach or being involved in ministry here at the church, I would encourage you strongly to do that. Find a place where you can serve. That is a big part of our faith journey. It's not just receiving, but it also comes from giving. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, well, we are in a series that we've called No Lies, and if you've been with us over the last few weekends, you know that we've been talking about this idea and this understanding that there is a real enemy, and he lies, and he is bringing deception, and he is causing chaos even within the church. We started the series by talking about God's word and the fact that it is true, that it is the foundation in which we build our, our lives, and the whole thing is true, not the parts that we just like, but all of the parts are true. And then last week we talked about not only are we to read it and to understand it, but we need to be obedient to it. And that is becoming more and more difficult in the times that we live. And so we've had a key verse, and the key verse is talking about uh, Jesus is talking to these leaders in the Jewish community, and he says that their father is the devil, and it's kind of a weird verse. So I want to put it into a little bit of context tonight. We're going we're gonna to read the verses that happened before that. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says this, to the Jews who had been belie uh, believed to him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So uh, again, back to that whole thing of if you hold to his teachings, so if you obey what he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will bring what? Freedom. Freedom to you. And so this is such an important part. So then these pious men that Jesus is talking to, they begin to um, say things like, hey, we are not, we're not slaves to anybody. We're not under anyone. And in John chapter 8, verse 39, Jesus says this, Abraham is, or they said, Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. And then they replied, we are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. And, and just for a little context, what they're doing here is this is a little bit of a slight on Jesus because they, they know that Joseph was not actually Jesus' dad. And so they're saying, we're not illegitimate 
And so they're making this, this comment to uh, Jesus in this, in this basically back and forth, this argument that they're having. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are un- unable to hear what I say. And now we put the verse into context that we've been reading the last few weeks. Verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for tonight, and we pray, God, as we look at your word, that, Father, you will help us to set aside our preconceived notions, and that God will hear your word for what it is, because it is true. And Lord, I just pray, Father, as we live in a time that is that is so uh, contagious, or so so uh, there's so much fighting and so much uh, against each other. God, I pray that tonight we would understand that, Lord, even you, when you came to this earth, they tried to silence truth by silencing you. And so, God, I pray that we will not be a church that will be silenced, but that we will stand for what is true and we will speak truth, but with love. And we give you all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we started this series, we were talking about the importance of God's word. And like I said last week, we talked about obeying it. And then Jesus confirms and he says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so in this particular story, we see that Jesus is confronting these guys and these guys have been ingrained within their culture. They have, they have been raised a certain way. They've been raised to believe a certain way. And out of that, now that becomes the foremost thing inside of their lives. If it doesn't match with what they personally want to believe, then they want to shut it off. They want to shut it down. And so these, these Jewish leaders are saying, listen, we don't like, Jesus is bringing some new message that we don't like. And so we need to stop him. We need to silence him. We need to stop him from speaking this because it, is, it, it goes against what we want to believe. One of the main things I wanted you to hear, though, tonight as we look at this scripture is uh, that scripture that Jesus refers to Satan and he is a real being as he talks about the devil. He is not some puny, red-suited character with, with a pointy tail and horns. He is actually a spiritual be- being that was created for a different purpose than the one he is living out. And though Jesus defeated him on the cross, he is now a wounded animal trying to take as many people out as he possibly can. So it's important for us to know that because I think in the culture that we live in and the times that we live in, oftentimes, whether we think we mean to or not, we can almost take things like Satan and put it into almost like a category of mythology or something. But Jesus himself is talking about the devil, and he's saying that he is real. In, in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter warns us, he says, Be alert and sober, of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. So sometimes we hear things like the devil, and we think about it as that, like a legend or, or as mythology. But if we truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he was perfect and that he deals in reality, then when he talks about this, we need to understand this is real. And so when he's giving us warnings or solutions or teachings, they are deeper and wiser than any other teaching you will ever get. 
many of us are more prone to uh, listen to our latest self-help Instagram guru than we are to take the words of Jesus seriously. Like, it's easy to listen to somebody who's ingrained in this culture and the things that they teach you and all of those things, and boy, that sounds really good. But the reality is, if we are called by his name, if we are sons and daughters of the Most High King, then we need to understand that Jesus is truth. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So if he is truth, then all of his words are true, and if that's the case, then they should take highest priority above, above all else. So I wanted to set us up today so that we can begin to understand that there is an enemy that wars against us. And he is cunning, and he is trying to play the long game in this culture. Now, please hear me, because if you know anything about River of Life, you know that we love people, and you are sitting in a room full of broken and hurt people. You're sitting in a room full of people who have stories that are, are horrific, that have struggled, that, that still struggle, and you are loved, and you are accepted here, and we want you here. We want, we want to be a church that is the light in the darkness so that you can come in and say, man, I'm a mess and I don't know if I should be here and I hope you know you should be here Amen. and that Jesus loves you right where you are and that he has plans and dreams and desires for you. So as we look at this, we need to understand though that if we, I've been telling you over the last few weeks that truth equals love. Right? The church has gotten to this place where we say, well, we just need to show love. We just need to show love. We need to show love. But the reality is, is truth equals love. So if we know the truth and we know that, that with that comes some, some maybe difficult conversations and we know to do that with love, then what we're doing is we're saying, I love you enough that I don't want to see you walk towards destruction. I want to see you move to a place where you begin to understand that the God of the universe created you on purpose. And he has plans and dreams and desires for you. And because of that, the enemy is pushing hard and he's going to tell you lies. And he's going to do what he can to steal your identity. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight is the identity lie. As we look at this, we need to realize that that um, we're in this, in this place where as the enemy presses in, he has been really good at doing what he does, and that is lie. Jesus said it's his native tongue. We do also need to realize that, after all, the move of a spirit is, is, a, is a move that's an inward conviction and not an outward criticism. And so... As we talk about these things, and we're going to talk about identity in just a moment, what I want us to do is it'd be really easy to rally and go, and go like, ah, oh, the enemy is out there, but really, what lies is the enemy telling you that you need to address? What things in your life is it that, that God needs to step into your story and, and change for you? So the Apostle Paul says that it isn't his business to judge those who are outside of the church, but for those of us who are called by his name, we do need to realize the schemes of the enemy. And so I want to take a moment here because I want to talk about something that is culturally relevant in the moment, but 
I want you to hear me for just a second because whenever we do these kinds of things and we talk about this kind of thing, what can happen is because of how divisive the world has become, we can say, hey, I look at things through this particular lens or I look at things through this particular lens. And so what's happened is truth has become political. And can I tell you, truth isn't political. Truth is truth. And there is only one truth. There's not your truth and my truth. There's just truth. And the problem is, is the enemy has been so good at this. And so what I'm going to ask of you is this. I don't know where your political leanings are. I don't know any of that stuff. And, and honestly, I'm not registered with either party. I think a lot of times both of them kind of suck. Um, and so, so with that, I, but I want, what I want you to do is I want you, to, I want you to, to step back from that for just a moment. And I want us to look at the truth according to what the word says. Because what can, uh, otherwise what will happen is we'll, we'll see things, and even, no matter what side you fall on things, it's very easy to, to see them and, and, and filter it through what I want it to be. And that's not truth. Truth isn't what, the way I want to determine truth. Truth is truth, right? This identity thing is super important because I think it's one of the biggest ways that the enemy can get to people is through messing with their identity. Think about this for just a moment. Outside of a move of the spirit, we can't control culture, but we should aim to create a flourishing counterculture instead of trying to blend into the culture as it is. Culture will continue to devolve and the enemy will push it and push it and push it until it self-destructs. That's, that's what he wants. I was reading a book by John Corners. It's called Live No Lies some time ago. And he explains in this that there's a revolution that's been taking place. And he says it like this. This is not verbatim, but it's pretty close. He said, the sexual liberation revolution in the 1960s set in motion a cascade effect. The reversal of the long-standing moral consensus around promiscuity from marriage that worked in tandem with the advent of birth control and the legalization of abortion, which separated sex from procreation, which moved on to the legalization of no-fault divorce, which turned a covenant into a contract and separated sex from intimacy and fidelity. Then the Tinder and hookup culture, which separated sex from romance and turned it into a way of getting your needs met. From there, the revolution moved to uh, the LGBTQ plus revolution, which separated sex from male and female binary. And now the current transgender wave, which is an attempt to separate gender from biology. Then there is the polyamore movement, which is an attempt to go beyond a two-person relationship. So as you look at those things, what you see is you see that there's this decline that continues to move further and further from what God's word is and what his design is. Now, some of you, I know this makes you uncomfortable, and, and I would say I'm sorry, but I'm actually not sorry, because we need to speak truth, because truth is love. We can, we can pretend, we can act like it's all okay, but it's not all okay, and it's actually not really good for those who are, are falling prey to this. The enemy is so good at lying that he has created a culture where if you don't buy into the lie and you don't speak it out as though it is true, then all of a sudden now you are a bad person. 
The question nobody seems to be asking is, is this making us better people? Is it, are we more loving people? Are we even happier people? Are we thriving in, in a way that we weren't prior to this revolution? And data shows that happiness levels have actually been on the decline in the U.S. since the 1960s. But this is a data that we want to ignore because it's not what's popular right now. I think about what Jesus said to those Jewish leaders. He said, listen, I'm speaking truth to you and basically what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to kill him. They're wanting to cancel him. They're wanting to stop that voice from being heard because it's not what they want to hear in the moment. And as we look at this, what we need to understand is the enemy is so good, he goes after identity all the time. So with this, I want to talk about how Satan attacks our identity. He lies, and we begin to allow those lies to infiltrate our lives. So even as we look at that, what I just read to you a moment ago, it's been a long time coming, but it's slowly chipped away at the identity of who God says that we are. And so now we begin to live out this thing to where now whatever you say you are, I've got to believe you, and I've got to call you that thing. Can I tell you how dangerous that is? I know the pronoun thing, that's a big thing now. I don't, I, I heard somebody say, I'd like to start the adjective thing. From now on, whenever you refer to me, my adjectives are skinny, handsome, and brilliant. And some of you are like, you're not skinny. But the other two are true. So, So those are now my adjectives, and don't refer to me in any other way than that. All right, we're going to move on from this, because I know some of you are super uncomfortable right now. So how you see yourself determines a lot. It's not who you are that determines how you act. It's It's who you think you are that determines how you act. Think about that for just a moment. It's not who you are that determines how you act. It's who you think you are that determines how you act. So many people are walking around letting the wrong things determine how they act. They have no idea who they really are in Christ. So I want to look at a story that we find about Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Starting at verse 13, it says this. When Jesus came to the region from Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what do you say, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So Peter shows that he knows Christ's identity. And as he speaks that out, he begins to say, listen, I know who you are, Jesus. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you are the Messiah. I do believe that you've come to save us. As he speaks that out, then Jesus begins to reveal Peter's identity. 
So believing that Jesus is who he says he is, then being, which leads to us doing. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. We often try to force ourselves to do things for God before we even believe that we can ever measure up. So for many of us, what we need to understand is this moment with Peter is so important because he looks at Jesus and he says, I know who you are. I believe that you are the son of God. And out of that, Jesus says, bless you. You are now no longer Simon, which means read. It means, it means not stable. Now you become Peter, which means rock, yeah. right? So Jesus says, I'm changing your identity so that you understand who you are. Many of us who have accepted Christ, what we need to understand, we live in a time right now where it is, it feels scary to speak truth. And the problem is there's been so many people that speak truth, but they don't speak it with love, and so it becomes contentious. Jesus always spoke truth, but he always also loved. He loved people. The, the messier the people, he show up in people's story that didn't deserve to live and he showed up and he loved them. That's who Jesus is. And so we, if we are the church, we need to represent him well and we need to understand that. But as we look at this, at this uh, particular story, what we need to realize is for us who have accepted Christ into our lives, we are, we are, um, we are fully empowered Amen. to live as Christ lived. Many of us, if you were to go shopping for a car and you were like, hey, I'm, I'm going to get the, the base model. I can't afford the fully loaded, the one with the sunroof and the, and, the, and the better car stereo and the heated seats and now the cooling seats and whatever else. I can't afford all that. But if you went to the dealership and all of a sudden they were like, hey, you know what? Um, actually, we have a special today. And for the base model price, you can have the fully loaded car. Now, how many of you would get that car, you'd get in it, and you'd be like, you'd be like turning the heated seats on even in August just to see if they work. You'd be you know, opening the sunroof, closing it. You'd be so excited because I got the fully loaded model. None of you would get that and go, you know what? All I paid for was the base model, so I'm never going to use the heated seats. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the stereo system at a low level because I, I, I didn't pray for the, pay for the premium. No, you would, you would, many of us are acting as though you're the base model when you are fully loaded. The Bible says you are holy and maybe you don't feel holy. I feel more messed up than hooked up. Maybe your life argues with the Bible. But I want to tell you that Jesus sees you and he is the one that sets your identity. Amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is the one building the church. Do you hear that? Yeah. He didn't say on this rock you will build my church. He said on this rock I will build my church. He is the one that's building the church. It is not on us, but it is on us to be obedient and to put our hope and our trust and to understand that no matter what the enemy lies, no matter what he throws at us, it doesn't matter because God is always in control. And so we need to put our faith and our hope in that and know that his word is always true. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed 
and on the third day raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind uh, in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So this is a story about identity. As we look at this, Jesus changes his name from Simon to Peter. So he changes it from reed, from shifty, from shaky, from blowing around to Peter, meaning the rock. But then in the same story, he calls him Satan, which means thief. So when you start to see Jesus for who he is, he will start to show you his real, your real identity. But Jesus, in this conversation, moves Peter from shaky to rock, and then a few seconds later, he calls him Satan. So what's happening here? The thief inserts himself between who you were and who God says you are. So for many of you, this is where you find your, yourself is that you've come to church, you've accepted Jesus into your life, you've said yes to him, you, you, you accept the fact that he's forgiven you of all your stuff, and now as you begin to move in that, in that relationship with God, then God begins to speak to you, and he begins to show you why he created you and the things that he has for you. I love it when we watch ministry things that come up here, and, and we see people who are like, God... God gave me this ministry, and as I'm doing this, you just see the fulfillment that comes from it because it's what they were designed to do. And so inside of this, but what happens is the enemy will begin to insert himself and try and get you to take your eyes off of who God says that you are. Maybe you sit here today and you're going through a spiritual identity crisis. And maybe acting contrary to who you know that you're supposed to be. James chapter 3 verse 9 says this. With the tongue we praise the Lord and Father. And with, with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Many, many believers today are walking around with spiritual schizophrenia. They're walking through their life and they're one way on the weekend. They're one way when they're at church. They're a whole other way Monday morning. And you wonder why, like, if we're going to live that way, then can I tell you, then please, then, then don't speak truth to anybody. Amen. Because if you're going to speak it but not live it, nobody wants to hear it. Amen. You actually do more damage than you do good. But if the church begins to actually step into who God says that we are, and again, this book, if we were to define this book with one word, this book's word would be love. This is the ultimate love story. And so there's hard things in here for us to hear. There are things that are definitely counter to our culture, and I understand that. But at the end of the day, if we understand that all that God is doing, it's all based on his love for his creation, then we should be able to walk in it and, and not apologize for it. Before we found Christ, we were on shaky ground without purpose. But Jesus describes someone who builds their house on the sand uh, opposed to someone who builds their house on the rock. And the storm comes, and we know the house that's not built on the rock uh, collapses. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So when you accept Christ, things should look different in your life. 
Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't, like, if, if, if we give an opportunity for you to accept Christ tonight, you're not going to accept Christ and all of a sudden, boom, you just, all your old thoughts go away and everything else changes. I wish that's the way that it worked. But what happens is as you move towards Christ, he begins to renew your mind. And he does something incredible inside of your life. And so we need to realize that this is such an important part. But, but we want to believe that, but oftentimes our lives argue with it. Peter before would have introed himself as Simon Peter. In other words, read to rock. But in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So the thief is always there wanting to rob you of what God says about you. Your identity in him is the most important thing. What Jesus thinks about you is way more important than what your friend at work thinks about you. The problem is, is we, it's way easier to try and make everybody in our lives happy. But the reality is, is that's not what God's called us to. So look at this. You really are a rock, but when you look at in the mirror, you see a reed because the thief has stolen your thought process. Jesus is solid and he cannot be moved. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why we can't, we can't, we can't edit the book to fit what culture says. It, it doesn't work because the Bible says he's the same. But now what's happened is many of the church, we've gotten these shaky legs. I, I don't know how many of you have ever gone on a cruise before, but if you ever go on a cruise and you're on the ship for however many days, you get off the ship and they, they call it sea legs. You still have sea legs. It feels as though the ground is moving even when it's not. And it takes a while of you being on solid ground for your legs to stop feeling like that. And for many of us, we've lived our lives with shaky legs. And God is saying, listen, I am putting you on a rock. I have, I have designed you. I have created you. The more you walk on the solid, the more your mind wraps around the reality of where you actually are. And for many of you, you need to understand that God is calling you to live on the solid foundation of his word. And the longer you're on it, the more the shaking of the world will not affect you. Jesus calls Peter a rock and then a stumbling block. In other words, you're still a rock, but now you're in the way. Some of you need to get out of your own way. Some of you need to get out of your own way. You have, you have listened to what the enemy has said and you have allowed that to be the thing that makes it so that your life is way harder than it needs to be. God has good plans for you. He loves you. He sees you. So what happened? Peter gets his name changed. And he gets some confidence. Maybe his confidence even went through the roof a little bit. The thief distorts Peter's image of himself and he moves from confident to arrogant. When he starts telling Jesus what he should do, <laughs> how many of you do that? <laughs> I think we're all guilty of that. We, uh, we pray and we tell God what he should do. Uh, that's actually not the way it's supposed to work. So his unguarded strength becomes his ultimate weakness. The thief wants to bring, back, bring you back into play. And he wants to confuse God's thoughts with man's thoughts. You're a rock, but you're in the way. We need to flip the script back. You need to locate the lie and make it right. 
So for many of you, what you need to understand is, who does God say that you are? So today, I I wanted to go through a bunch of verses, but I know we're not going to have time to do that. So what we did is we actually put them in the app. So if you're following along on the notes, I don't know if she has them for the screen or not, but there's just a bunch of different verses that you you can look up in your own time. And these are just some of who God says that you are. But we've got to stop believing the lie of the enemy. We've got to realize that the enemy's main thing is to get you to move slowly as far away from who Jesus says that you are as you possibly can. He wants to, he wants to rob you of what your destiny is. Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what your backstory is. It doesn't matter who, what your family tree looks like. None of that matters because the God of the universe created you on purpose. And he has dreams, plans, and desires for each and every one of you. And sometimes we can come into church and go, well, yeah, but I'm just lucky to be here. No, you're not. You're, if you've accepted Christ, you're a child of the Most High King. That makes you a prince or a princess, and he has plans for you. But we can, we can believe the lies of the enemy that says, well, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be, I'll be, never be enough. And you know what? On your own, you wouldn't be. But with his power in you, you are fully loaded, whether you know it or not. God loves you. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes with me for the next few moments because I really believe that there are some of you in this room this evening that you have bought into a lie, that the enemy has stolen your identity, that he has, he has spoken things over you and you've chosen to believe them. You've chosen to allow those to be the things that are dictating your direction. And God is saying, listen, put your hope and your trust in me. Listen to my voice. I just, I just have this vision of a, of a dad getting his child's attention, and I hope that he does tonight. I hope, I hope your heavenly father got your attention tonight. And, and I, I just have this, this vision, again, of, of him putting his hand underneath, underneath your chin and looking you in the eye and saying, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It only matters what I think, that I am the one that created you. I am the one that desires relationship with you. And for some of you, you needed to hear that tonight because he loves you. So tonight, as we close this time together, maybe you sit in this room and you don't have a right relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've asked Jesus into your heart before, but you, you haven't really been following him. And that's really hard because you're living with one foot in each place, and that actually makes it extremely difficult. It makes life chaotic, actually. So maybe tonight you just want to say, you know what, I want to I choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never accepted Christ in your life, but tonight is your night. You want to say, you know what? I I believe that he is the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. And I believe because of that, I have freedom that can only be found through that relationship with him. So if that's true for you tonight, no one else is looking around right now. Would you do me a favor and just lift up your hand and catch my eye? Because I want to pray for you. Yeah. Okay, bud. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, I see you. Yeah. Yeah, I see you back there. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Okay. Good job. Is there anyone else in the room tonight that would just lift up your hand and say, Jason, will you remember me in this closing prayer? Yeah. Thanks, bud. Mm. Some of you are getting your identity back tonight. I see you back there, man. Thanks for being honest. Thank you. Yep, gotcha.
Here's the thing. God loves you so much. He sent his son to die on a cross. And out of that, he just says, will you just believe? Will you follow him? Will you trust in him? So by doing that tonight, what you're doing is he's doing all the heavy lifting because he's already paid for your sin. So you're saying, God, I'm giving this to you and I'm trusting you and and forgive me and and help me to be who you're asking me to be. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It does mean that you're going to be forgiven. It's an amazing miracle and and you become a child of the Most High King and there's nothing like that. So whether you raised your hand or you didn't, but I'm going to ask everybody in the room if you'll repeat this prayer with me. It's going to sound super simple. But if you mean what you're saying, it changes everything. He loves you that much. So you repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. You rose again on the third day. And because of that, I can have forgiveness of my sin. So Jesus, I want to follow you. Please forgive me of my sin. Help me to trust you for my identity. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love for me. Help me to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, something incredible just happened. Your sin, your shame, your stuff. Jesus just said, I got this. And he took it. The Bible says he separates it from you. He doesn't see it when he looks at you anymore. Your identity is now a child of the king. Would you give them a round of applause, those who were honest? I want to pray over you. We're going to set up for the family meal in just a few moments, but we're going to end with just a time of worship. Prayer team's up here. If you need prayer for anything, they would love to pray with you. Let's just pray, and I'll, I'll even pray over the food right now so we can jump right into that afterwards. God, we thank you so much for all that you do. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you, God, that you are truth. God, you're not a version of truth, but you're truth, the truth. So God, I pray that your church would stop having wobbly legs, that we would stand on the rock the foundation of who you are and who you say that we are. And God, I pray that we would show love to everyone, though we would also understand that love equals truth. We are not ashamed. We will walk boldly, and we will do what needs to be done. I thank you for each and every person that raised their hand. Pray, God, that you would help them to dive in to know you more. Lord, as they get to know you, they'll know how loving and amazing you actually are. God, we thank you for this opportunity to spend time with friends and family, and we pray that you bless our meal after this. God, for those who will come up for prayer in these next few moments, I pray, God, that you'd answer their needs. Help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you stand as we sing? The prayer teams are available. Hey, thanks for listening. 
River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.